Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Tune in at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Yes, indeed, here we are. As always, beginning our program by saying thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for being a part of the Bible Live family as we make our way through the scriptures each and every evening here in this great city. Great time of the evening when you're at least beginning to think about settling down. We get a chance to spend a little time in the scriptures, getting to hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the Bible each and every evening, the entire Bible every year. We have read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, and now we come to First and Second Kings. During this travel through the Old Testament books, every two books or so, we jump over and read a book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now John. We've made our way through all four Gospels, and now we are back in the Old Testament. Well, we'll get into that in just a moment. Right now, let's go back to that Psalm 68 that we began yesterday. We'll pick up at verse 15 now, remembering God's glory and power. Psalm 68, 15 through 27. The majestic mountains of Bashan stretch high into the sky. Why do you look with envy, O rugged mountains, at Mount Zion, where God has chosen to live, where the Lord himself will live forever? Surrounded by unnumbered thousands of chariots, the Lord came from Mount Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who rebelled against you. Now the Lord God will live among us here. Praise the Lord. Praise God, our Savior. For each day he carries us in his arms. Our God is a God who saves. The sovereign Lord rescues us from death. But God will smash the heads of his enemies, crushing the skulls of those who love their guilty ways. The Lord says, I will bring my enemies down from Bashan. I will bring them up from the depths of the sea. 
You, my people, will wash your feet in their blood, and even your dogs will get their share. Your procession has come into view, O God, the procession of my God and King as he goes into the sanctuary. Singers are in front, musicians are behind. With them are young women playing tambourines. Praise God, all you people of Israel. Praise the Lord, the source of Israel's life. Look, the little tribe of Benjamin leads the way. Then comes a great throng of rulers from Judah and all the rulers of Zebulun and Naphtali. End of reading, Psalm 68, verses 15 through 27. to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We're making our way now through the books of First and Second Kings, transitioning from the reign of King David, those 40 years, the golden age of Israel, to the time and the reign of King Solomon. And we'll see what happens during his reign and then immediately following when the kingdom is divided. We're in chapter 7. We've been reading about the building of this glorious temple, Solomon, as you remember, takes money and offerings from his father David and from the people and from his own offerings as well, and they erect this magnificent building, Solomon's Temple. We will finish tonight seeing the description of that temple. The Ark of the Covenant will be brought to the temple. We will see Solomon's prayer of dedication and the Lord's response to that prayer. We are in the early years of Solomon's reign when he is following God faithfully. That will change and the nation will decline. 1 Kings 7.27 through 9.28 1 Kings 7 Shuram also made ten bronze water carts, each six feet long, six feet wide, and four and a half feet tall. They were constructed with side panels braced with crossbars. Both the panels and the crossbars were decorated with carved lions, oxen, and cherubim. Above and below the lions and oxen were wreath decorations. Each of these carts had four bronze wheels and bronze axles. At each corner of the carts were supporting posts for the bronze basins. These supports were decorated with carvings of wreaths on each side. The top of each cart had a circular frame for the basin. It projected one and a half feet above the cart's top like a round pedestal, and its opening was two and a fourth feet across. It was decorated on the outside with carvings of wreaths. The panels of the carts were square, not round. Under the panels were four wheels that were connected to axles that had been cast as one unit with the cart. The wheels were two and a fourth feet in diameter and were similar to chariot wheels. The axles, spokes, rims, and hubs were all cast from molten bronze. There were supports at each of the four corners of the carts, and these two were cast as one unit with the cart. Around the top of each cart there was a rim nine inches wide. The supports and side panels were cast as one unit with the cart. Carvings of cherubim, lions, and palm trees decorated the panels and supports wherever there was room, and there were wreaths all around. All ten water carts were the same size and were made alike, for each was cast from the same mold. Huram also made ten bronze basins, one for each cart. Each basin was six feet across and could hold 220 gallons of water. He arranged five water carts on the south side of the temple and five on the north side. The sea was placed at the southeast corner of the temple. He also made the necessary pots, shovels, and basins. So at last, Huram completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of the Lord. 
two pillars, two bowl-shaped capitals on top of the pillars, two networks of chains that decorated the capitals, 400 pomegranates that hung from the chains on the capitals, two rows of pomegranates for each of the chain networks that were hung around the capitals on top of the pillars, the ten water carts holding the ten basins, the sea and the twelve oxen under it, the pots, the shovels, and the basins. All these utensils for the temple of the Lord that Huram made for Solomon were made of burnished bronze. The king had them cast in clay molds in the Jordan Valley between Sukkoth and Zarathon. Solomon did not weigh all the utensils because there were so many, the weight of the bronze could not be measured. So Solomon made all the furnishings of the temple of the Lord, the gold altar, the gold table for the bread of the presence, the gold lampstands, five on the south and five on the north, in front of the most holy place, the flower decorations, lamps and tongs, all of gold, the cups, lamp snuffers, basins, dishes, and firepans, all of pure gold. The doors for the entrances to the most holy place and the main room of the temple, with their fronts overlaid with gold. So King Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon brought all the gifts his father David had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the other utensils, and he stored them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Kings 8. Solomon then summoned the leaders of all the tribes and families of Israel to assemble in Jerusalem. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion, to its new place in the temple. They all assembled before the king at the annual festival of shelters in early autumn. When all the leaders of Israel arrived, the priest picked up the Ark. Then the priests and Levites took the Ark of the Lord, along with the tabernacle and all its sacred utensils, and carried them up to the temple. King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed sheep and oxen before the ark in such numbers that no one could keep count. Then the priest carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the front entrance of the temple's main room, the holy place, but not from outside it. They are still there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed there at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel as they were leaving the land of Egypt. As the priest came out of the inner sanctuary, a cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their work because the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in thick darkness, but I have built a glorious temple for you where you can live forever. Then the king turned around to the entire community of Israel standing before him and gave this blessing. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept the promise he made to my father David. For he told my father, from the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have never chosen a city among the tribes of Israel as the place where a temple should be built to honor my name. But now I have chosen David to be king over my people. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, It is right for you to want to build the temple to honor my name, but you are not the one to do it. One of your sons will build it instead. And now the Lord has done what he promised. For I have become king in my father's place. I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And I have prepared a place there for the ark, which contains the covenant that the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. 
Then Solomon stood with his hands lifted toward heaven before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven or earth. You keep your promises and show unfailing love to all who obey you and are eager to do your will. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth, and today you have fulfilled it with your own hands. And now, O Lord, God of Israel, carry out your further promise to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, If your descendants guard their behavior as you have done, they will always reign over Israel. Now, O God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David, my father. But will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Listen to my prayer and my request, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you today. May you watch over this temple both day and night, this place where you have said you would put your name. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest request from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. If someone wrongs another person and is required to take an oath of innocence in front of the altar at this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants, the accuser and the accused. Punish the guilty party and acquit the one who is innocent. If your people, Israel, are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you, and if they turn to you and call on your name and pray to you here in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive their sins and return them to this land you gave to their ancestors. If the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and then they pray toward this temple and confess your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them to do what is right and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as their special possession. If there is a famine in the land, or plagues, or crop disease, or attacks of locusts or caterpillars, or if your people's enemies are in the land besieging their towns, whatever the trouble is, and if your people offer a prayer concerning their troubles or sorrow, raising their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live, and forgive. Give your people whatever they deserve, for you alone know the human heart. Then they will fear you and walk in your ways as long as they live in the land you gave to our ancestors. And when foreigners hear of you and come from distant lands to worship your great name, for they will hear of you and of your mighty miracles and your power. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. Then all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built bears your name. If your people go out at your command to fight their enemies, and if they pray to the Lord toward this city that you have chosen and toward this temple that I have built for your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you may become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive to a foreign land, far or near. But in that land of exile, they may turn to you again in repentance and pray, We have sinned, done evil, and acted wickedly. Then if they turn to you with their whole heart and soul and pray toward the land you gave to their ancestors, 
Toward this city you have chosen, and toward this temple I have built to honor your name. Then hear their prayers from heaven where you live. Uphold their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Make their captors merciful to them, for they are your people, your special possession, whom you brought out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt. May your eyes be open to my requests and to the request of your people, Israel. Hear and answer whenever they cry out to you. For when you brought our ancestors out of Egypt, O sovereign Lord, you told your servant Moses that you had separated Israel from among all the nations of the earth to be your own special possession. When Solomon finished making these prayers and requests to the Lord, he stood up in front of the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven. He stood there and shouted this blessing over the entire community of Israel. Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never forsake us. May he give us the desire to do his will in everything and to obey all the commands, laws, and regulations that he gave our ancestors. And may these words that I have prayed in the presence of the Lord be before him constantly, day and night, so that the Lord our God may uphold my cause and the cause of his people Israel, fulfilling our daily needs. May people all over the earth know that the Lord is God and that there is no other God. And may you, his people, always be faithful to the Lord our God. May you always obey his laws and commands, just as you are doing today. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon sacrificed peace offerings to the Lord, numbering 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. And so the king and all Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. That same day, the king dedicated the central area of the courtyard in front of the Lord's temple. He offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of peace offerings there, because the bronze altar in the Lord's presence was too small to handle so many offerings. Then Solomon and all Israel celebrated the festival of shelters in the presence of the Lord their God. A large crowd had gathered from as far away as Lebo Hamath in the north to the brook of Egypt in the south. The celebration went on for 14 days in all, seven days for the dedication of the altar and seven days for the festival of shelters. After the festival was over, Solomon sent the people home. They blessed the king as they went, and they were all joyful and happy because the Lord had been good to his servant David and to his people Israel. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Kings 9. So Solomon finished building the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had done before at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your request. I have set apart this temple you have built so that my name will be honored there forever. I will always watch over it and care for it. As for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, as David your father did, always obeying my commands and keeping my laws and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father David, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey my commands and laws, and if you go and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people of Israel from this land I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have set apart to honor my name. 
I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, it will become an appalling sight for all who pass by. They will scoff and ask, Why did the Lord do such terrible things to his land and to his temple? And the answer will be, Because his people forgot the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods instead. That is why the Lord has brought all these disasters upon them. Now at the end of the twenty years, during which Solomon built the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, Solomon gave twenty towns in the land of Galilee to King Hiram of Tyre as payment for all the cedar and cypress lumber and gold he had furnished for the construction of the buildings. Hiram came from Tyre to see the towns Solomon had given him, but he was not at all pleased with them. What kind of towns are these, my brother, he asked. These towns are worthless. So Hiram called that area Kabul, worthless as it is still known today. Hiram had sent Solomon 9,000 pounds of gold. This is the account of the forced labor that Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple, the royal palace, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, and the cities of Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. The king of Egypt had attacked and captured Gezer, killing the Canaanite population and burning it down. He gave the city to his daughter as a wedding gift when she married Solomon. So Solomon rebuilt the city of Gezer. He also built up the towns of Lower Beth Horon, Baalath, and Tamar in the desert within his land. He built towns as supply centers and constructed cities where his chariots and horses could be kept. He built to his heart's content in Jerusalem and Lebanon and throughout the entire realm. There were still some people living in the land who were not Israelites, including Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These were descendants of the nations that Israel had not completely destroyed. So Solomon conscripted them for his labor force, and they serve in the labor force to this day. But Solomon did not conscript any of the Israelites for forced labor. Instead, he assigned them to serve as fighting men, government officials, officers in his army, commanders of his chariots and charioteers. He also appointed 550 of them to supervise the various projects. After Solomon moved his wife, Pharaoh's daughter, from the city of David to the new palace he had built for her, he constructed the Milo. Three times each year, Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord on the altar he had built. He also burned incense to the Lord, and so he finished the work of building the temple. Later, King Solomon built a fleet of ships at Ezion-Geber, a port near Elath in the land of Edom, along the shore of the Red Sea. Hiram sent experienced crews of sailors to sail the ships with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back to Solomon some 16 tons of gold. End of reading, 1 Kings 7:27 through 9:28. the passage we read tonight tell us about God? What does the word tonight tell us about ourselves as human beings, as individuals, as communities, as families? The times in which we live, are they so very different? There's a great deal of politics here. This is a golden age of Israel's existence. They're very rich. They're very influential. And even King Solomon here as the leader, he begins well. He's strong. He's trusting God. He's honoring God. They invest a great deal in this great temple. And yet we know, we know the rest of the story already, it turns around very quickly. 
even Solomon himself. He's so intent on following after the God of his father David, but he disobeys God in terms of his many marriages to foreign women. He follows these women into the worship of their false god. We see something happening here. We see a dynamic occurring. Even though times are good and it's beautiful, we see this wonderful prayer of dedication. God appears to Solomon a second time. Remember in chapter 3 we read that dream that he had and God appeared to him in the dream and promises his faithfulness to him and gives him great wisdom. Now we see God responds to his prayer of dedication and he reconfirms this covenant, this bargain that he has made with the people of Israel and with his father David. I think the interesting thing about these passages that we're reading from the book of 1 Kings, yes, we pick up on... God's dealing with a particular people and a specific leader named Solomon in a particular time and era during their national existence, the national journey. But the key thing for us to understand is what does it say to us today? Not just some ancient book from 3,500 years ago, but what does it mean to my life, my family, to our city, to our community, to our nation, the way we're living the things that we are doing, the decisions that are being made for us by our leaders that we have helped to choose. Are we doing and making some of the great, great mistakes that will bring the judgment of God on our city, our society as well? The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 